David, who was boldly dancing before the Lord, being unashamed and pouring out his heart towards him. And this wasn't just a celebration for David. This was him praising the Lord, not caring what other people thought, because this was the time between him and God. And we saw Miriam danced and sang a prayer of praise when the Israelites crossed safely through the Red Sea and out of slavery. She is actually the first recording in Scripture of anyone who danced. And all of that to say that this new sermon series, Dancing with Jesus, is supposed to be different and it's supposed to be light, but it's something that's going to be foundational. And this series will cover some more of the prominent stories of Jesus' life and some of the things that he taught, but we're going to look at it a little bit differently through the lens of dance. And whether you've heard these stories before or this is the first time, we'll be looking at them much to much differently than before. And I'm going to actually ask Fat Rock at this time to come up and sort of demonstrate a few dance moves for us. They, they won't let me sing, but they can't stop me from dancing. So, so I worked out a couple things that I want to share with you that I think are, are uh, very helpful to illustrate this. Um, now, now, this first one, these are really, these are dad dance moves, I have to be honest. So dads can appreciate these, and you can use them to embarrass your kids uh, many years into the future, especially uh, during those first wedding dances and things like that. So feel free to use these. These are not my original moves. Uh, but, but they all come from normal things that us dads do, all right? So the first one has to do with mowing the yard, all right, which today's not really a good day to mow the yard, but you can still... You can practice this dance move every time you mow the yard. And, and it starts by, well, you've got to get your mower out, all right? And so you just kind of bring it out. You bring that mower out. Bring it out. Be happy. A little light on your feet. Bring that mower out, all right? But then you've got to start the mower, okay? And so everybody loves that one. So you, you see you start the mower. <laughs> you can do it. Start, start the mower, yeah. Start the mower. And now it's running. So, hey, we're going to mow the yard. You mow the yard. Mow the, yeah, hey, wave to your neighbor, Peyton. Wave, there you go. Wave to the other neighbor. Wait, no, you just ran into a tree. <laughs> Don't let Peyton mow your yard. So you mow the yard, you wave to the neighbor. Up, oh, the mower stopped. You see that was oh, it stopped. What could be wrong? It's out of gas. It's out of gas. It's out of gas. So we got to fill it up. Fill it up, there you go. Fill it up. Now you got it. See? So you got your motor yard. It's out of gas. You fill it up. You wave to the net. It's good stuff. Well, hold on. There's more. Sometimes our wives have us go shopping or take, a, take us to the store, which we love to do as men. We love to go shopping with our wives. Don't we, men? Yeah. Just, just nod. If you're at the couch right now, just nod. Yeah. Uh, but when you're at the store, and this is why I think our wives like to take us to the store, I can't reach that. But that's okay, because we're pushing the cart, which is kind of like the mower, all right? But then we're gonna get that item from the top shelf. Reach it up, bring it down. Reach it up, bring it down. Reach it up, bring it down. So you gotta put in the cart. And then, hey, get that one. And so we gotta, you gotta kinda get kinda low. Get low, grab it, put that in the cart. There you go, get low, and put it in the cart, yeah. <laughs> See, dance moves from everyday life. Okay, those are good dance moves, but do you have anything biblical dance moves that'll, that'll, that'll help us actually use in this sermon? Do I? I'm glad you asked. One of my favorite dance moves, the Bible says that, um, you know, Satan will, will strike at the heel, but uh, I, I like this one of my favorites. It's a, it's a crushing the serpent's head. Crushing the serpent's head. Crushing the serpent's head. Let me see. Crushing the serpent's head. See? Crushing the serpent's head. You do it the other way, too. Yeah. The serpent's head. Oh, I think I threw my head out. All right, hold on. <laughs> but then my favorite, I call this the David and Goliath. 
Yeah, you know it. Get that sling going. And release. Get the sling. And release. And then the giant falls. And the giant <laughs> falls. Yeah. See? I got, you want me to keep going? No, no. no you should, can I can. I don't no, mind. No, no, thank you, though. You might want to go sit down before you throw your hip out of place and have to have another surgery. <laughs> so, no, thank you for Fat Rock just showing us a few of the dance moves. But I actually thought of some this week that may be a little more relevant to what our lives are in the middle of the COVID pandemic. We've got the Germex pump, where you pump it and you rub it in. You, you rub it in until it's all good and gone. And then got, putting the mask on, you clip it, you drag it across. You clip it, and you drag it across. And so we've seen these dances. We've seen them demonstrated, and they're great dances. But have you heard of the water walk that was performed by Jesus Christ? This is probably an extremely familiar story to you guys, but I'm asking, don't let the familiarity of this story get in the way of looking at it at a different view. I challenge you guys to look at this text with me through a new lens and look what it means to dance with Jesus. And before we dive into our text, I kind of want to discuss a few things that happened prior to what happened in our text today. Jesus and his disciples had actually been out for quite some time already and had a long and tough day. Jesus had just been informed that John the Baptist who had been beheaded in prison. And after hearing this news, Jesus withdrew to a, a solitary place and went up on a mountainside to pray. And when Jesus returned down from the mountainside, he actually had found that a large crowd had gathered. And Jesus saw this and had compassion on them and healed their sick. And the disciples saw this and were like, hey, this is a good, quiet place. We need to dismiss the crowd and go on about our day. And Jesus said no, that they needed to feed them. And Jesus here miraculously fed the 5,000 with only five loaves of bread and two fish. And after this miraculous feeding, Jesus dismissed his disciples to go on, go, <clears throat> to go on across the Sea of Galilee. And then he dismissed the crowd. And he went up on a mountainside again to pray. And later that night, he was alone, and the disciples had actually already gotten some two or three miles away from the shore, and they were fighting a vicious storm, and that's when Jesus began to walk on the water towards them. And so we'll, we, I will read from Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink, cried, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, called him, You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And then they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. <clears throat> and then those who were on the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And in this, this text, and when I read it and study it, it leaves me in awe every single time. Because I'm amazed at the fact that Jesus legitimately walked on, not calm waters, but on raging waters. And I don't know about you, but I've actually attempted to walk on water when I was younger. I did it in the bathtub, at the pools, and at the lake. In the bathtub, I walked, or attempted to walk on it and sank to my ankles in dirty bath water. And in the pools, I tried to walk, and I fell to, my, to waist deep in uh, chlorine and urine-filled waters. And on the lake, I fell till my head was submerged and until I was able to swim, swim back to the top. And just, so that, that proves that I'm not like Jesus. 
But you see, Jesus, I wasn't trying to be like Jesus. Well, I was, but I was not like him who was walking on the surface of rough waters where I was attempting to do it on the calmest of things. And when I read this text, I actually see three foundational attributes about Jesus that impact on how we dance through life with him. The first is that Jesus is in the lead of our dance. And we see that in verses 28 and 29 that says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. And we see in this text that not only Jesus walked on the waters, but Jesus had somebody else that did, Peter. Well, technically, Peter only walked on the water because Jesus was in the lead. And in this instance, Jesus was the leader of the dance that I like to call the water walk. And when Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk towards Jesus, he became Jesus' dance partner, and Jesus was in the lead. And I guess you could say that Peter walked in tango with Jesus here. And Peter had the faith that Jesus was a good enough dance partner and a good enough leader that he was willing to get out of the boat and walk on these raging waters towards his Lord. And when I was thinking of Jesus as a leader and what that looks like as a leader of people, it reminded me of time back in high school for me when I was actually able to give lessons to a young man in baseball. And for those of you who didn't know, I've played baseball from the time I could start walking until I graduated in 2017. And the young guy I was able to give lessons to was Mason. And Mason was one of those kids who was extremely talented in everything that he did, especially in the athletic realms. Kid played every sport imaginable. And he was really good at just about everything he picked up at. But he didn't know the fundamentals of most of the sports he played. And, and that was what I was tasked to do, was to be the teacher and the leader for him to teach him the fundamentals of how to play baseball. I was able to teach him how to correctly field and throw a baseball as well as how to properly stand in the batter's box and swing the bat. And these lessons went on for an entire spring, and he began playing ball in the summer. And through those lessons, he was actually able to become a quite be much better ball player who was fundamentally sound. He was, had a really good summer and fall season, and I was just proud of what he was able to do because of what I had done fundamentally with him. And I know I was a good leader that laid out those fundamentals, but I know I'm nothing like the leader that Jesus Christ is. And when our fundamentals are built soundly on him, I can only imagine what he'll do through us, church. With, with Jesus as the foundation and with him as the leader of our dance, we will begin to become a true reflection of Christ as well as bring the kingdom of God here on earth. And Jesus wants to become that leader as our dance partner today. He wants to lead us on this journey in life. He wants us to allow him to be our lead dance partner and to lead us in this journey in life. And not long ago, I was actually listening to a sermon uh, sometime shortly after getting Johnson got shut down for COVID and sent us all home. And that sermon was actually preached at First Christian Church in Baldwin, Mississippi by uh, Brother Kelly Carmichael. He was talking on Romans chapter 8. And I remember something that he said in that, that, that message that really stood out to me. He said this, You can be confident because you are led by God's Spirit. And I couldn't agree more with what, what Brother Kelly Carmichael said on that. I think we can be confident because we are led and have this amazing dance partner to lead us by, that leads us in Jesus Christ. And I've heard people say that they couldn't be used by God because this or that happened or that they're a broken person who needed to get their life together before coming to Christ and letting him use them or that they had a checkered past that God couldn't use. Church, I'm here to tell you that that's not the case, that Jesus doesn't care about our faults. He doesn't care about our sins. He doesn't care about our mishaps. He doesn't care about our past. All he cares about is us submitting to him and being faithful to him 
that he will be it, and let him be the, the great, powerful leader that he is in the dance. And to this morning, I want to say that no matter what happened in your life, the sin in your life, that Jesus still wants you to let him lead you in the dance. And he wants you to be a child of God, and he wants you to build a personal relationship. Ultimately, I believe Jesus has his hand outstretched to both you and I, asking, may I have this dance? Jesus wants to lead you, and my question is, are you willing to, are going to allow him to lead you in this dance we call life? First, this morning, we saw that Jesus was in the lead. Secondly, we see that Jesus is there during the distractions that life may throw at us. We see in Matthew chapter 14, verses 30 and 31, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and called him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You see, Peter gets distracted. Peter looks out on these raging waters and sees the wind and the waves and gets distracted. He sees the stormy waters and gets afraid. He is fearful for his life, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus, who's his leader. He allows the distractions that are presented to him in life, and, and, and it took his eyes off of Jesus. He allowed those fears to tear his eyes away from our Lord. And, when, and that's the same for us, is when distractions come in our lives, we often drift our eyes away from Jesus. And those distractions may be our everyday worries of, will the car crank in the morning? Will the bills be paid? Will I get COVID? Will my family be safe? Or maybe it's the sinful nature that we have that our sin is what distracts us from allowing God and Jesus to stay in control. And maybe it's work or technology or social media. Whatever it is, it could be something that's taking our eyes off of Jesus. And I know for me, personally, one of the biggest distractions right now is COVID. And, and it's, it's made us learn terms such as quarantine, safe social distancing, and what it means to mask up. And... And this has forced some people, obviously it's forced us from meeting here today as a church body, but it's forced people from seeing their loved ones who are at risk. It's kept us from meeting as a body, and it has kept people from going to work and having to work from home, and it's even cost some people their jobs. And during this time, it has distracted me, and I'm sure it's distracted many others from keeping our eyes on our dance partner, Jesus. And COVID has been very difficult, and it has really been a distraction, but it's not the only distraction. When we turn our distractions in life and turn our eyes away from Jesus, something like this may happen, like the clip that we're about to show. You see, in life, when we're facing when we face this, these distractions, we often slip up and fall, just as the dancer did. We turn our eyes away from our dance partner, and we fall. But like, like the, da the female dance partner there, Jesus is there when we fall, extending an outstretched hand. He, he, he wants to be there for us even when we fall, even when we get distracted, and he wants to help us through and help us finish the dance. Distractions are what pull us away from our Lord and Savior, Thankfully, we still have Jesus there that is extending that hand to us. And like I said earlier, I grew up playing baseball. And in high school, I was playing at a rival school at East Union, and I was playing third base there. And a ball was hit towards me, and I, I went to field it, and it took a really, really bad hop. And uh, unfortunately, it hit me in the face, and I was rushed to the emergency room to find out that I had broken my nose. 
And for some odd reason, I was able to convince my ear, nose, and throat doctor a, few, a week later before my surgery to let me play. I, I still don't understand why he did that. But he cleared me to play, and I was actually able to play in that game. And throughout this game, I was playing, and I was playing probably one of the worst games I've ever had. I was scared of the ball. I was afraid I was going to get hit. And I even made a fatal error of dropping a routine pop fly that cost us the game. And I, I let the distraction of being scared of the ball and... And, and being afraid of it hitting my nose hurt my team. I allowed that distraction to be more important than helping my team win. And, and, and that happens in the world today. We, we have distractions that pull our eyes off of our ultimate goal and our ultimate dance partner in Jesus. We allow our fears and our worries to, and sin to keep us from turning to Jesus. Even when we turn our eyes away, though, Jesus is still there. And he is there for us when we mess up, when we sin, when we aren't faithful. His death on the cross erased the, the debt that we owe for the sin and our mess-ups. He still loves us and forgives us when we have these moments, when we have these moments where we're distracted. He still wants, to reach out to him, wants us to reach out to him and accept him as the leader of our dance in this life. The gospel message throughout reminds us that we have nothing to fear in Jesus and, and that Jesus is always with us and always for us. When we are distracted and turn our eyes away from Jesus, will you take... Jesus' hand and allow him to continue to lead you through the distractions. So this morning, so far we've seen that Jesus Christ is in the lead of our dance of life. We saw that Jesus is with us when we face distractions. And finally, we see that Jesus is to be worshipped. In Matthew 14, verses 32 and 33, it says, and, then, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat wor began worshipping him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And I know this idea of worship isn't something that's foreign to us as a church. I know pre-COVID, we would gather together as a, as a body here in the church and worship Jesus in song as well as an act of remembrance at the table as we've done this morning, remembering what he did on the cross for us through communion. And worship is often tied to simply singing of praise. And however, this morning, I want to point out a few other ways that we're able to come to God and worship in our daily lives. The first is found in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 through 47 which says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added their number daily, those who were being saved. And here we see that the early church met outside of the church building. They broke bread and they had a meal together. They came together to enjoy fellowship and praise God. I know that that's a very difficult thing to do safely now with COVID, but church, I challenge you to find ways to come together with fellow believers. Break bread, have a meal together, and pray and study the Word of God. Another example is uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, which says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, I know this is hard. Uh, I know this is, I struggle with this in my own life, and I'm, I can remember in high school, and my parents that are here today would confirm that, that I hated to do chores of all sorts, but especially doing the dishes and carrying out the garbage. I would often grumble and complain to myself and sometimes complain to them that I did not want to do this. But thankfully in high school, I stumbled across this verse in Corinthians that actually reshaped my mindset. I was able then to begin to try and give God the glory in all I do. And whether that be when I was working at home doing chores or whether that was when I was in the classrooms at schools, or simply just doing a random activity either in the church, the house, or the community. I tried to give God the glory. And church, I challenge you to join me in that because it's still a daily thing that I do. 
And this is a way of worshiping Jesus by giving him the glory in all that we do regardless. And, and it, it could be a, a, a task that seems insignificant or say something that seems large. Just give God the glory. A few weeks ago, Fat Rock said this. He said, no task is too small when it comes to the service of the church or service of the church or, or others for Jesus. And I agree with him in saying that, that no task is too small or too large to give God the glory as an act of worship. And the final act of worship that I want to cover with you this morning is, comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, which says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And love God and loving people. Those are the greatest two commandments in Scripture. And such an amazing way to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we're worshiping God by loving on God and loving people, then I think it comes quite apparent that we're being beacons of light that reflect Jesus Christ. Now, these forms of worship are different than what what we normally associate with worshiping Jesus. However, they're all forms of, 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 of worship that I believe are essential to our daily dance and life with Jesus. We can worship Jesus through meeting together with fellow believers, eating, praying, and studying, and loving on one another. We can worship Jesus by making sure that all we do, we seek to bring Him honor and glory and give our best efforts to praise Him in all we do and worship Him. We can worship Jesus by honoring what he called the greatest two commandments of loving God and loving people. And of course, we can worship Jesus through praise and song and through dancing. And as we close this morning, I really want you to hear this, church, that Jesus is in the lead of this dance that we like to call life. Jesus is there while we're dancing about our daily lives. He's leading us and guiding us to do his will for what he wants for us to be. Jesus is the leader for our lives as well as our dance partner who is leading us through life. And Jesus as a leader in our lives or as our dance partner should serve as a powerful reminder that he is in control. John C. Maxwell said this of a good leader. A good leader is the one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Christ, Church, that is such a beautiful thing because Jesus, he knows the way. Jesus goes the way. And he shows the way. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus answered them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as we transition into our time of response this morning, I challenge you to put Jesus in the driver's seat of your life. I challenge you to let Jesus be the guide or the leader for you in this dance called life. Because anything that is in Jesus' control will never be out of control. And during our response on this morning, would you check in with us in the comments and let us know how you will allow Jesus to become your dance partner in this daily thing, daily dance that we call life. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, I, just, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you and to open your word and hear what you have to say for us, God. I pray that if there's anybody that's watching this service that needs to make a response for you, God, that you would put it on their heart for them to make that decision. And it's your name I pray. Amen.
today, I challenge you to go to win by showing others Jesus, who is our amazing dance partner, who is leading us in life, and commit to grow by allowing Jesus to help in the distractions of life as well as worshiping Jesus in every chance that we get in our daily dance in life. I want to leave you with this last question. How are you going to let Jesus be the leader of your dance in life today? Mm -hmm.